Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, week three of the preseason is in the books. And unlike years past, we have made it. We've made it through three weeks, really all of the preseason, with like nothing really crazy happening, right? Like no major injuries, you know, like nothing, (laughs) like, like nothing, like usually like there's like a, you know, like a real important piece somewhere, someone contender loses, you know, to an ACL or something like that. And you know what? Everybody looks healthy. Nothing really to nothing to see here. So uh, let's get the regular. Nothing season to see. <laughs> nothing I know to you. See sh- here. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have said that. We could have been like we're recording this on <laughs> Friday night to get ahead of the curve, and nothing happened over the weekend. But yeah, nothing at all. Yeah. So as yeah, uh, as suggested by Twitter, today was supposed to be the AFC North, but we will be completely recording the entire AFC South with new takes. So this is take two. We're gonna do it just for that one guy on Twitter that said we need to. Re- yeah, we're gonna record it. But uh, yeah, I like. No, that we guy. we almost the UAB we, guy. we we were out. Yeah. UAB guy. We were both kind of busy, but there was even discussion of going live at the moment. But yeah, yeah. Just, we just needed the situation to settle down. How many? I mean, how many people thought like they had to check and make sure it wasn't you know whatever the the fake account is? Doc, what's his name? Doc McCockner. Yeah, Doc, no Mc- doubt. No Doc McCock, I've never said it out loud. I guess Doc McCock <laughs> stuff. And, yeah, no, like I had to, I had to go. I'm like, no, this is this is an official tweet. This is f- f- fucking real. Yeah. I was at a restaurant with the wife, and she's like, she's getting mad at me because I'm on my phone a bunch. Of course, said, I, of course. This is honey. This is. I said this, this is, is work. Real. This is a like, big shit, deal. shit. Shit like this doesn't happen. This is the big deal. I need to. I need to tweet. I need to tweet through this. Get my feelings out there, and it sucks because I like him, but. I'm not going to go, uh, Jesus, there's some bad, some bad takes. takes. There, there was, was a lot some of super them. bad takes. <laughs> there was a lot of them. Uh, and I agree with you. Like, But, yeah, like this is a big deal. This doesn't happen all the time. Uh, and, you know, this is a, a quarterback in his 20s who's, you know, one of the top five currently who walked away voluntarily. Like, this is wild. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to overreact to this and say, like, this is bad long-term for the – bad sign long-term for the NFL, but – you know, clearly, like there's, uh, you know, a shuffling out of some of the, you know, some of the big names that's on the horizon. You know, Brady will retire eventually when he's like 50 or 60, and you know, Pat Mahomes can only play probably 15, 20 years. So, you know, eventually you're going to run out of good quarterbacks in the league, and it's going to be uh, a problem for the NFL. But, uh, but more broadly, I mean, just kind of, I, I, I don't know, my my general take, and, and I'll, I'll I'll be serious for a second here. Um, I think that the re- the initial reaction was an overreaction. I think adjusting from nine and a half to six and a half reflected kind of a uh, oh we can set this real low and people are still going to be there's still going to be a mad scramble to bet the under because people think this is you know dead dead done for them for the season and and then I think the adjustment to seven and a half was fine and reflects kind of a mathematical perfect. sense of yeah perfect sure it should be. Um, and if I had to take a side on it now I'm looking under um, and my reason for doing so is pretty weak. 
but I honestly think this is, has the potential to have a hangover for a lot of the players on the team who didn't see this coming. Um, you know, I mean, it's just like the fans who were in the stadium who were booing initially, like there, that was like a gut reaction from them because they thought they had a chance to, you know, win a Super Bowl this year. And now all of a sudden they're an also ran. Um, I think that probably, that that's, sentiment, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's right, Max. That's something that's going to exist on the, with among the players too, and you know, in a lot of the same ways, you know, and we're going to cover the AFC North today, and I have a very bizarre, weird take on the Steelers um, that you know I've been kind of beating the drum on this for a couple of years in terms of what the Ryan Shazier injury did to that defense. Um, I think that this has a similar kind of impact, right? Like people are going to have to look around each other in the locker room and be like, "Man, our freaking leader." was concerned about what the game of football was doing to his brain. Like, what are we doing? Right? Like there's a decent chance that, you know, that We're this has rich. an impact. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You see what they're playing. A lot no, of these guys who are impact players for the Colts. So not a lot of them getting paid. Yeah. No, that's actually, different yeah, actually their payroll's nice. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is, this could have a serious, you know, you talk about the fans, you talked about how deflating it was for the fans. I mean, that really, we're not going to get quotes saying so much. I mean, you know, just generic bullshit, but that's got to be crazy deflating for the rest of the team. I mean, just we were a team lined as, you know, one of the favorites in the AFC, one of the top teams to make the Super Bowl, maybe win it. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize losing uh, a top five quarterback is a big freaking problem for all that. So it'll be very interesting to see how they come out week one against the, against the chargers. It will be. If they come out flat, yeah. if they come out and that's where this, where this falls now is on Frank Reich. Yeah. Like sure. he has to, he and has something in front of him. Oh yeah. Ballard. Too. Yeah. And yeah, the management in general, just the, the leadership of this team. And I guess not only that, but maybe some of the, the leaders on the team, if it's, you know, T Y Hilton, or I'm trying to think of somebody who's, you know, Justin Houston just arriving, but he's more of a, a little bit of a veteran. He's been around some of the, some of the veteran presence on the team. If they can rally around something, if, uh, if Frank Wright can get them moving, they can still have an okay year. It's not an easy schedule. It's tough going to such a downgraded quarterback. But yeah, that that it could it could go to shit in a hurry. If they come out flat, they're unmotivated. It's super deflating, and it's obvious that this could be a long year, and that sucks bad. Um, not only for Colts fans, but if you were a Colts believer, yeah. and you have an over nine and a half ticket. That is a super, super low chance of hitting. Yeah. I took my first loss of the NFL season on Colts to win the South on this. That, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's grading that a loss because I bet it at plus 120 blank, and I get, that it's a loss. Like, literally, like, I've lost so yeah. much value on that. It, it, I don't, even if it comes through by some miracle or some luck, then, you know, it's, it's still, like, I could have gotten – that much better of a price now. Um, and you know, that's like, that's why it's well, based, based on the way, numbers so. now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but, right. All right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, before, before we moved one. Well, yeah. You have huge negative CLV and huge. that's not your fault. It's just a crazy weird retirement, but based on the current numbers before we move on here, is there anything, I mean, all the, all the other numbers are, you know, adjusted obviously too. Do you think the adjustment to the middle is just too much where is it worth taking a stab on maybe the Jags have better output from the receivers than we think and that offense gets its shit 
together or yeah I mean, uh, the current numbers yeah. aren't I, I mean honestly like the AFC South is now four teams that I have no interest in betting like seriously like this is this is now a complete also ran of a division am I am I you know from where I sit I think the winners of you know the winners in this if they're if you're going to kind of qualify winners and losers here like the winners of this is the the pro- probability of getting a buy has now been redistributed, you know, the, whatever the probability of the Colts getting a buy was, let's say it was 10% or 15% or something like that. That probability has now been redistributed to the Chiefs, the Patriots, and then whoever wins the uh, the AFC North. So I, I would say that, you know, that, that outside of those teams, you know, I don't see that a ton of value exists on betting the AFC South at this point. I agree with your general sentiment that the Jags probably – are the most likely, uh, you know, of the teams to benefit because, like, this still doesn't correct the fatal flaws that exist with Houston and Tennessee, in my opinion. And the Jags, you know, we don't know what their wide receiver roster is going to look like come week six, week seven, week eight. Like, like this exact time last year, we would have said the Dallas Cowboys look like an absolutely complete team in every sense of the word, except their wide receiver position is a nightmare. And lo and behold, they make a deal, what, six weeks into the season for Amari Cooper, and it completely changes the fortunes of their season. So, you know, it's it's that exact scenario, I think, does exist in some way for the for the Jags. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think you can make a – I don't think that's an actionable angle. I don't think you can say, okay, well, maybe they'll do something, therefore I'm going to make a bet. I think it's pretty easy, clear, uh, stay away from the entire division as far as I can tell you. Yeah, that, and, you know, as I said, kind of uh, saying a little bit of a, <laughs> a funeral, what do you call it, a eulogy for the over nine and a half. If you took an under nine and a half, or if you grabbed it, if your book was slow, congrats. If you took a flyer on anybody else in the division, like you can probably buy your way out of that at a profit at this at this point if you can find a two way line which are out there. Like there's a good job, or I mean, just even just ride that out. If you took Jags or Houston, maybe even Tennessee, if you're feeling squirrely to win the division, or it's that's a huge plus. You just your number got that much better. Even the win totals on those, they got to play the Colts twice apiece. It's a good job if you took anything there. I'm not sure how much of that we recommended. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, they still have the best. Team. They still have the best coach in the division. So who knows? Maybe they still win. I, I honestly like it's a complete stay away. Whatever team comes out of there, though, is drawing dead in the playoffs, as far as I can tell you. So it's really uh, there's. I, I really like. I had a medium to low interest in the AFC South as it was. In fact, that was why we did that division first because I was like, my opinion on this division is not going to change. Let's get them out of the way. You know, three weeks before the end of the preseason. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really don't think that we're talking about any of these teams coming the second week of the playoffs. So who cares? Um, let's, uh, let's move on to a division that I have that literally like in the, in the pantheon of the AFC, this was the easiest one to save for last against the one I'm by far the most excited to talk about. Like the AFC this year was not interesting to me for the Patriots, the Chiefs, or the Colts up until, you know, three days ago. Um, and now the, you know, the AFC North, we get to what I think will be a fascinating, fascinating um, battle for uh, not only just, um, you know, a good playoff seating, capturing your division, getting a home playoff game, but, but realistically, I could see any of these three teams at the top here make some, I, I guess that maybe I'll, I'll, I'll qualify the Browns 
I don't know if I really see them making noise in the playoffs because they're so inexperienced and they lack so much in terms of kind of um, you know uh, the being able to handle the pressure that comes along with the playoff you know playoff game uh, this season. Um, but really and truly, like these are three very 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 um, well positioned teams in terms of roster construction, in terms of coaching, in terms of you know in terms of a lot of um, positive aspects that I think you. Um, you can uh, you can pretty much guarantee I'm going to watch almost every game of all you know all three of these teams just because there's going to be so much to learn in in this race. Um, is this something you agree with? AFC North pretty much one of the the your favorite division races as we head into the season. Oh yeah, especially like you said, uh, out of the AFC, you know we even belabored the point in the NFC South and North, how good those three team races could be. But the, in the AFC, obviously things are quite different with the Patriots in their division and the two team race out West. And just, uh, I mean, we're expecting kind of a one team race in the South. Now it's a four team free for all shit show, but this will be a pretty good three team race. This is one of those where I think that and that's. Uh, did you see the the prep sheet I sent over with the odds? I put the I put the division standings in this time because I think we've done that a couple times this year where I've I've thrown at you what the uh, you know what the record was from last year and you were taken aback because it's hard to remember exactly what happened. Sure, but this was one too where I had to I had to look. I'm like, did did the Browns? I thought the Browns finished ahead of the Steelers for a second. <laughs> I don't know. Something was going on. It wasn't close. It was actually like two games behind them. But yeah, this was a this was a goofy one. The Ravens were ten and six. The Steelers were nine six and one. The Browns were seven eight and one. And actually, the Bengals, you know, they were only a game and a half back from the Browns. They won six games somehow. The Browns were in talks of getting to the playoffs with a couple weeks left. That was pretty wild, considering it's been a quite a while. Very very long time, and then the, I mean the Ravens coming coming through with. Uh, I mean we'll start with him. We'll just start with uh, without going too far back into last season. It was kind of a you make the switch at quarterback, and boom, you're in the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't make it far, but still, I'm not sure that's what we that's what we expected from the team was a bunch of Flacco, and then we bring in Lamar Jackson. He looks kind of rough, but he runs the ball a thousand times and. There you go. It's kind of a goofy finish, but we cashed some tickets on Baltimore. made us happy. And, yeah, Pittsburgh missed the playoffs somehow. Like that one for a second. I, I know that one didn't take nearly as long because I started spinning through the, the wild card matchups. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like they totally screwed up. Like they did not make the playoffs at all. And they lost a couple really close games. We'll get into that. But, yeah, goofy, goofy uh, finish down the stretch last year and – we might see more of that this year. I'm, I'm super excited. And if you had to put a gun to my head, I'm not sure I could pick one of these three teams right now. They all have glaring weaknesses and a lot of things to be hopeful for. Yeah. So last year, so you, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but like last year, I didn't really feel like any of these three teams had a realistic shot at winning the Super Bowl. Um, but I remember we convinced, talked ourselves into a Ravens ticket pretty early. Um, all on kind of the back of the hope that we would see Lamar Jackson and that he would be such a novel and different look uh, across the league that people would have a tough time stopping him. I mean, am, am I remembering correctly, or is this uh, revisionist history here? Didn't we have some Baltimore to win the 
division. Yeah, I think I feel we like had a cash good, something I think on we, them. I think we I had think, a really good price on them. Yeah, but I, I think you're right too. We had some Baltimore to win it all, which yeah. It, once you got to the playoffs, it, it didn't feel. It just felt like it was going to be Kansas City and New England, unless you know, unless the Colts could pull something out. And I mean, we were even we were kind of high on the Chargers too, I guess, but. It didn't feel like whoever whoever came out of the AFC North was going to do much of anything. Yeah, and so and also okay. Houston, we were super we were super checked out in Houston. Yeah, we were all in on we we were all in on two teams, and then there was a second. There was a clear like three tiers of teams in the playoffs yep, last right, year, right. and it kind of hashed out that way. In yeah, the AFC, so rather. but so the AFC North though for sure, kind of around. You know, I mean, I think I think we were high on the Ravens heading into the season. Actually, that they were the underpriced team, that they were the value in the North. Um, we didn't give the Bengals mm-hmm. or Browns much of a chance. We thought the Steelers, you know, had potential to do something silly, which they did. And um, yeah, I think you know the 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 decision to pull the plug on the Flacco regime and uh, install Lamar Jackson on the fly midway through the season was pretty damn smart. You look at the win loss record, and granted, they kind of entered the part of their schedule that was a little softer. Um, but they throw throw Lamar Jackson in there with relatively little reps, relatively little experience, um, and he was a, a dynamic, unstoppable playmaking force. He what did he literally like down the stretch? He lost what one game uh, in his entire you know his, yeah. his entire uh, season as a starter last year. And uh, remind me, correct me if I'm wrong. That one loss was in overtime on the road against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs who were clearly the best team in the AFC yeah. in the regular season last year. So, okay. Given that that given that he did that, given that the Ravens were that dynamic and given that, you know, oh surprise surprise, a rookie quarterback looked like shit in the playoffs. Like that's not that's not new, right? Like that was to be expected. Like given that they were as dynamic as they were in the regular season, why isn't this team given more consideration in the AFC North this year? Like, why aren't they co-favorites? Why are they clearly the third uh, third team? Do you feel that this is legitimately um, people looking past Lamar Jackson's performance yeah. last year? Because, I mean, I'll be, I'll be completely frank. I thought Lamar Jackson deserved more consideration for Rookie of the Year than he was given. Um, I, he freaking single-handedly took uh, a middling Ravens team and elevated them to winning their division. But he was really not given any kind of a look as an offensive rookie there. Is that, is that weird that I'm kind of oh, – am I overweighting wins here? That is team, team staff? You are. It's <clears throat> Yeah, you're kind of – not as bad as a baseball pitcher, but wins are, can be a little deceiving, I think. you got to take a lot of context. Although I was still highly impressed with him. He did only throw for about 1,400 yards. Um, obviously everybody knows he ran the ball a lot, which that's maybe my biggest worry is if they try to do anything even similar, like he's going to get hurt. I don't know. He's maybe a shade over two, maybe two twenty. He's not the biggest guy in the world. And he just, I, they can't do that full for a full season. I don't think he's going to get injured. So that sketches me out a little. And you know, uh, when we talk earlier in the season about the, I think you brought up the, Super Bowl or maybe the MVP odds and how they're not adjusting, how the hold was just getting bigger and bigger in a, in a smaller market, like to win the division or something along those lines where 
it's only four teams. They are, they have to make adjustments. They can't just uh, screw people on the hold and keep, uh, you know, if somebody takes some money, they move their odds down and don't touch the other ones. I feel like this is a direct, a direct, uh, you know, the, the Ravens price to win the division is the third best out of the teams in the division. They are behind Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Cleveland hype. Mm. There's, there hasn't been a team as hyped. I don't, has there been a team as hyped as Cleveland in a while? It's been, it's been a while. Everybody is talking Cleveland. We'll get to that and why, why we're a little cooler on that than some, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with that. And then also Pittsburgh, um, some smart people we know are in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh still has a lot of uh, a lot of people left. A lot of okay, well, let's go. You know, let's go. They lost two two big names, but I mean, do, do you think do you think it has more to do with the other teams than than actually the Ravens? No, I think Jesus, that, I have a. I think that the people. I think that people are cool on the Ravens because they were not expected to do what they did last year, and so kind of. And, and I think a lot of people remember pretty clearly the playoff game where they got beat by the San Diego by the L.A. Chargers. Excuse me. And uh, what the Chargers were able to do to frustrate and stymie Lamar Jackson. And they assume, ah, well, you know, defenses will have him figured out this year. You know, like, therefore, yeah, he's he's, he's not going to And that's fair. Right. Um, Like, make him him throw the ball and see if that works. I I mean, we're going to die. We're going to die. What's that? I got this off Reddit. And just because I was Googling some stuff about this, I ended up on Reddit. So, if he would have started the full season and kept the same rushing rate, he would have 272 rushes for the season. That would That's have put him only yeah. behind Ezekiel. That would have put him only behind Ezekiel Elliott for total rushing attempts out of every player in the league. Not just quarterbacks, obviously. In his, and then even in his least, uh, as far as least rushing attempts uh, per game. He had 11. As far as the lowest rushing attempts in a game, he had 11 rushes. Even if you just took that and put it over 16 games, he would have had 176, which is way more than you know the record for rushes in a season by a quarterback, which is held by Lamar Jackson in the course of starting seven games and playing a little more than others. So <laughs> it's I, and that I think that is the glaring thing. Like and what what Sandy or what LA did, if teams are going to try to make him be a passing quarterback, throw the ball more and more often, that could be a problem. Although I've seen, I don't want to say he's a really good, accurate passing quarterback at this point, but I've seen some nice things in the preseason, albeit maybe not against the starters all the time, but obviously they know they have to improve on that too. Like they're not dummies up there. Harbaugh knows what's going on. So I think that's where that's the line of demarcation for if you believe in this team or not. If you believe Lamar Jackson is more than just a running quarterback, and it's some pretty sexy numbers to win the division. Because they have some pieces around him. All right. Well, okay. Let's uh okay. <clears throat> True or false, Lamar Jackson is the most dynamic playmaker who's had the ball in his hand every single snap since Michael Vick. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kaepernick, the one season, was pretty special. That was a lot of fun when he was good, which – God, who was his offensive coordinator that year? Might have been Greg Roman. 
I think it was Greg Roman. I wonder what he's up to now. But yeah. I don't know. I can't I, imagine. I, I, even, Somebody he, should look into that. <laughs> even even that doesn't touch it. Yeah, no. So I mean, some of the things we've seen in preseason, some of the moves he's made, he is uh, he's electric, and if he can be more accurate, he can be. God, he can he can be talked about. You know, this is an MVP type player if he starts being more accurate throwing. I just took a huge leap there. I'm not saying this year, but in a couple of years, if he progresses, he's like 22. He's still very young. He he has a lot of time left to to work out the other parts of the game. Some people would say you, you can't teach, you can't learn accuracy, but hopefully he can prove that wrong because I'd be very excited to see this offense do some potential uh, do some that, great uh, things this year. It's potential that uh, Lamar Jackson is even more dynamic than Michael Vick, would you say? Boy, I don't know, man. That, that was my. I grew up. I grew up with him. I grew up playing with him on. Uh, God, what was the what was the game? Yeah, well, Not that's, just Madden, but that, yeah, right, right, right. I know what you're. I know what you're getting at, but 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 you know, I mean, like they, we we were around for the Michael Vick emergence. It was um, it was unbelievable, and he was at the time he was <laughs> playing for like Dan fucking Reeves, right? Like they they literally had no clue how to use him, what to do with him. And he was still like impossibly efficient and impossibly good because uh, he was such an oh, incredible man. athlete. And you put the ball in his hands every single snap. Um, I honestly, and now you flip what, what now the situation in Baltimore is like the exact dead opposite. Like these are coaches. This is a staff that 1 billion percent has bought into this guy. They 1 billion percent have figured out what we have is special. If we, we are going to, you know, come up with new ways, new looks, new, you know, running schemes that the league hasn't seen, that the league is going to be unprepared for, for a good amount of the season, maybe the whole season. And I'm I, honestly like, I feel like Baltimore is going to take the NFL by storm this year. Like we've seen it in the preseason, even like a lot of people assume that Baltimore is just destroying the league right now in the preseason because they care more. I, it might just be that they're giving them looks that no one was prepared for. Right, and I don't even know if we've even seen really what they have to to say and show, you know, show us. And you know, your point about rushing attempts and if you extrapolate them out for the full season is super, super, super relevant, without a doubt. Like RG 3s career was completely derailed because the injury he sustained in his first season, where he had you know given sixteen games to 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 be this you know dynamic playmaker, and you know, granted. I want to say, oh, that was because he didn't know how to take a hit. And ironically, it was the freaking Ravens who, you know, who unwound, you know, his entire career in that game, Baltimore versus Washington, where I think it was Holody Nada basically just sat on his leg. Um, and, you know, then, then, you know, obviously the game, the playoff game against Seattle where James Andrews kind of gave the A-OK, he's okay to go back in and, and you know, and, and Mike Shanahan basically <laughs> and, you know, com- completely and totally blew up his knee as you could see he was out there playing with no ACL. Like, like all of that was like wild NFL team, you know, malpractice and RG3 obviously was never the same. Ironically, uh, the turf you know, didn't help him either. The turf didn't help him either. Playing um, on the worst turf, and you know, and and granted, you look at how that all played out, and it is one hundred percent fair to say, dude, if you give Lamar Jackson that same kind of load, and he's up against these same kind of you know monsters of human beings over the course of sixteen games, it's just not going to work. Like that, like honestly, like that is the risk. 
that is 100% the risk. And I have no idea if they've been working behind the scenes. terrified for him. Uh, yeah, I have no idea if they've been working behind the scenes to try to help him kind of be a more effective scrambler where he's not taking the shots, where he's not putting his body at risk. I mean, he's made some amazingly athletic plays in the preseason. Uh, and, you know, I would almost say, like, what he's been doing would tell me they haven't really been working on that. Um, but let, let's, let me ask you, let me, let me go back uh, and, and kind of, you know, I, I hate that we're kind of, you know, putting, you know, pigeonholing, you know, Lamar Jackson as a, as a Michael Vick type, as a Robert Griffin the third type. But, you know, it is what it is in terms of he is that can we, flipping can we go further fast. Back? He's that flipping fast. Sure. Randall, you say we were on for the uh, Michael Vick. We were on for the Cordell Stewart. Cordell Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That, that way back. Slash. Um, yeah, that was, that was Steve crazy. Young. That was crazy. Steve Young could run the goddamn ball. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. They need to. I mean, sure. is there any way they can do that? Is there any way you see them letting them get anywhere close to 150, 200 rushes a year? And he stays healthy for you know a ten year career. It just does not seem feasible. He had the eighth most red zone carries out of anyone in the league last year. He played seven games. Like they just they are running him a little too much. I think. I just don't see how they can't change the game plan a little. It, it worked great. They went six and one. They went to the playoffs. They got the division. But long term, it just seems like a bad idea. Hopefully, he doesn't get hurt because if. Feel like I'm just cursing him into getting hurt now, but uh, well, I don't know. What were you gonna ask me then? I was gonna ask you to tell me who weighs the most between uh, rank these for me: uh, Robert Griffin the uh, third, <laughs> Robert Griffin the third, Michael Vick, and uh, and and Lamar Jackson. Give me playing weights on well, the RG3 official. Now I'm, I'm looking official, I'm looking at officially at the uh, at the second year in the league. So basically, a year out, removed from rookie season. This is pro football. References is what I'm looking at here. Give, rank rank those three weight wise for me. I'm gonna make RG three the smallest. He was skinny. I'm putting him at number three, and then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Vic Lamar RG three. Wow, you are exactly backwards. How <laughs> crazy! Um, That's. A- Mike Michael oh, Vick. Man, you had me excited when you said exactly. Exactly backwards. Michael Vick was six foot tall. He was 210 pounds. Uh, I forgot how short he was. Lamar Jackson, 6'2", 212. Uh, Robert Griffin the third, 6'2", 213. <laughs> These are well, I had, three. I had the RG3. RG3 was right. Yeah. And I'm second. Well, he was 213 pounds. So he, was, he's a pound, he was a pound heavier than, uh, than Lamar Jackson. He was the heaviest of the three. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I, and so, you know, the fact that you can come kind of comp, comp these guys is, is wild. I, although it's worth noting, um, RG3 had an ACL in college. Uh, did Lamar Jackson have an ACL in college? That's fair. I don't think Lamar Jackson had an ACL, did no, he? No, he just ripped through the goddamn, ripped through his goddamn conference. He was awesome in college. He was so much fun in college. I, that's half the reason I want to see him succeed. I really like the guy in uh, college. Um, I feel like we just did 15 minutes on the quarterback, though. Well, no, but that's <laughs> where no, the other 21. No, because that's I mean, all it that is, really it is the cross. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I, I, I mean, I, and I'm not done things. talking about him either because I want to I mean, ask they, you. I, I have yeah, more questions for you. I want to probe some more. I want to probe right, some more. Um, probe. Okay. So we know we know what to expect about the rushing attack that they're going to roll out here, right? Like, 
like Lamar Jackson made Gus fucking Edwards look like Barry Sanders last year because you he he was you had to account for him and that completely changed the whole entire complexion of their their rushing attack. Um, and you know the the but the passing weapons in, in the passing game were bad last year. They didn't really have you know reasonable targets for especially for the skill set and the passing you know strengths and weaknesses of of Lamar Jackson. He's not an accurate downfield passer. He needs guys to get wide freaking open if he's going to hit them. Uh, they invested a lot of draft capital in the wide receiver position. They got a couple of different types of wide receivers. So presumably they're going to be able to figure out what works and kind of be able to lean on that for Lamar in the passing game. Um, the reports out of the Ravens camp have gone from kind of negative uh, early in camp about his how he looked as a passer to relatively positive. Um, and even in the preseason that we've seen him, he went from some pretty gross overthrows that he didn't really get, um, you know, didn't really get, um, you know, penalized for, uh, and not, not obviously not a referee penalty, but he didn't really pay any kind of consequence for some of his bad throws early in the season. But I thought he looked better and better as we go through here. And, you know, I, I don't think, I think it's, it is very premature to sell short on what he's going to do as a pastor this season. And, you know, I think a lot of people have been pointing this out, but like, Statistically, if you separate like what you see on the field, where every once in a while he has just a wildly errant throw, or like he has, you know, he has a a, a decision making, you know, brain fart in terms of where he, what he does with the ball, and you know, these aren't really turnovers; they're just kind of drive killers, drive stallers, over you know, overthrows or out of bounds kind of throws. Like, yeah, okay, if you see those, you think he's a poor passer, but the DVOA for Lamar Jackson was like better than Sam Darnold last year. It was much better than Josh Allen and Sam and Josh Rosen. Like, I mean, who's to say he is not the second best passer out of those, you know, that, that suite of five quarterbacks drafted in the first yeah. round last year. Do you buy into that at all? Or like, what is it? Like, like, like what is it? Yeah, that is, no, for is sure. It? So what is it then that's coloring our perception that he doesn't have it in the passing game? He runs, he runs so much. I think we just have a smaller sample of seeing him throw. Like I That's said, true. he only threw for like thirteen ninety. Um, I do think you hit on something. They did invest a lot of draft capital. They got Marquise Brown. They got Miles Boykin. Both, you know, super high end on the, as far as the wide receivers in the draft go. I'm excited about both those guys. And then even just the rest of the offense, they added uh, Ingram. The offensive line is still pretty solid, and. As much as I want to say, like, oh, you can't run the ball so much, they're good at it. They had super high efficiency. They were actually really, really what good was at it. it. Oh, five, five, 5.3 yards per carry on third down. Yeah. Their offensive line, they were their better offensive on line late, is clear yeah, top five. Their offensive line, clearly top five. It is for sure. And, and they're going to face the second easiest, I think it is. What? Um, rush defense. You're shitting. Second, yeah, second softest run defense slate this year. Wow. So they'll probably still be a running team. They might be an under team because um, defense defense is still solid. They added some pieces there. Shane Ray, they added Earl Thomas, who can play, you know, play center field for them. And, I mean, it's kind of similar to the Patriots as far as that. They have great defensive backs. And then the the D line is probably going to be a bit of a rotation, but there's still some nice pieces up there. The defense is still going to be, you know, it'll be a good defense. It'll be, I don't know, probably top ten. I don't know if we're talking top five, but uh, 
they blitz a lot. They have good pieces. They blitz a lot probably because they, they it's the only way they're getting pressure with some of the pieces they have up front. But the back end's tough. It's going to be similar to uh, maybe similar to what we said again with Miami. You have a really good defensive backfield to, to limit the passing game of everyone else. And in this case, they're not a really shitty offense, but they're going to run the ball a lot, you know, keep the clock moving. This might be kind of an under team. It'll be interesting to see how many totals they have under 40 this year. I um, think I'm, they, I, I'm I, high I, on it. I, even yeah, even if they even if they run the ball a lot, I think I'm still high on this team. They they know what they're good at and they do it. And they're they're still working on improving Lamar Jackson. Um, God, I, and I like this Jalen Ferguson guy too. Remember we we made jokes about him in April. I think yeah. I'm like, oh, the guy that broke the all time sack record in college. Yeah, like they good. they draft the, <laughs> the draft. It might be one of those drafts where they yeah, found a bunch of nice everybody. pieces throughout yeah. the, throughout the. They does, um and then Harbaugh. Like Harbaugh's aggressive. Yeah, yes, he, and yeah, he, uh, he's super high on the aggressiveness scale. He goes four and fourth and one quite a bit, even with Justin Tucker out there. I would go. I would go. You'd think he'd be more of a pussy on fourth. It's true. You would. But I would go even a step further than and say that the, the decision-making in terms of the front office and where they invested, uh, like the fact that they let um, the fact that they let Mosley and uh, and Suggs go, who seemed like like Suggs, huge, yeah. huge parts of their their defense. They're successful. They had a very balanced team last year. They had a very good defense. The fact that those guys were let go uh, and that they invested in a guy like Earl Thomas and that they, you know, kind of a lot of the decision-making all around reflects kind of plus EV decision-making in terms of roster construction from the standpoint of like they are, they're bought into some of the analytical advantages that exist. Um, and I would expect that you see the aggressiveness, which, you know, and, and kind of the plus EV decision-making in terms of play sequencing and play calling be reflected as well. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we, we, we laugh about like, well, you know what, well, you shouldn't run on first down. Like, yeah, no shit. But like, it's not, it, it's, it's a different, type of running play that the Ravens are going to be running than what we laugh about the Seahawks doing, right? Like the Seahawks are lining up and running into an eight man box because they think they need to establish the run. Like the Ravens are rolling out some look that you've never seen before as a defensive coordinator or as a, you know, a defensive signal caller, if you're this kind of the, the, the captain of the defense and they're, you know, they're blitzing you eight different ways you know, in the running game and you don't necessarily know where it's coming or how, or if it's even a run, if they're going to check into some kind of, you know, advantage pass where he's throwing up the seam to his tight end. And so, you know, yes, he's limited as a passer in terms of where he can hit guys on the field. True. But it doesn't change the fact that they know where he is good at passing and that they've invested in those positions on the team. Like they have good tight ends. They have, they have two legitimate tight ends. They have, they have good young wide receivers who can do uh, some fantastic, um, you know, some fantastic things in the passing game. I, honestly, like I'm, I'm, I need to check myself a little bit in terms of how, uh, you know, how bullish I'm getting on this team because there's probably some things I'm missing. But like, I, I, you know, I, I really think they've set themselves up well. They are, they are, in my opinion, they are a pretty clear and obvious double-digit win team and a threat to, you know, get a home game and, and a threat in the AFC. Um, and, you know, it's it, there. we are, I'm going to be kind of concerned and crossing my fingers and always a little nervous about Lamar Jackson getting hurt because he's at more risk than your average quarterback. But, um, you know, until we see someone, you know, and, and you know, 
until we see someone with the personnel and the, the, the vision to stop him, which we only have ever seen once. And it was with an absolutely stacked secondary with the chargers in the playoffs last year. Like, I, I just don't see, you know, there, there, a lot of these teams in their schedule are going to be able to put up a, 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 a decent no. defense and stop <clears throat> these guys. Kansas City? No, they're going to be a great matchup with Kansas City. We saw it last year. It's going to be uh, that that week three match at KC is going to be freaking awesome. Um, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, they match up well with those teams. Like like literally like the top end teams in the league, they match up really well with. And like and guess what? Like if there's one stopper in the entire AFC for the Patriots, is it not the Baltimore Ravens? It is a great matchup. They are they are just you know it's complete. Obviously, we've talked about it a ton. Completely different quarterback, but a ton of similarities outside of that. They've been great with the tight ends. They have a great like I, I made the comparisons on defense already. Solid offensive line. They come at you with a few different running backs. God, where was I? Have a tight end stat. This isn't going to help you be any more bearish. Um, <laughs> When they, when they lined up, all right, when they lined up in 12 personnel, two tight ends and a running back, with Lamar Jackson starting those last seven games, you want to guess what they averaged per pass attempt, yards per pass attempt to those tight ends? Eight, eight yards. 14.6. Oh, my 65% God. 65% success rate. Jesus that is, Christ. I can't Im- I mean, that's it's a super cherry pick stat. No, it's, it's not still, though, because he can. I mean, I, I mean, it, head, it is and it isn't. But in my head, he throws that seam like a. Yeah, it's, oh yeah. He puts it on the on the nose. Like you ask him to throw some. Oh yeah. You, you ask him to throw, you know, the throws that you know a guy like Pat Mahomes is good at, or a guy like, um, yeah, you know, I'm tr- I was gonna say luck, but we'll never see that again, sadly. But you know, if you ask him to throw, you don't you know, know that. That we'll never see him again. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if you, but if I'm you still ask, holding out hope. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, if you ask him to throw, yeah, no, and yeah, you, you don't ask him. He's not the, the same quarterback. He's not going to be able to do it. But that's fine. Like you don't necessarily need him to do that to be successful. So I, honestly, like, and I, I really think exactly. Yeah, I really think exactly what I was trying to highlight yeah. there. I really think the Ravens. Are they, the they know what they're good North. at. Yeah, and the Ravens have a, the Ravens have a schedule that I think affords them to get a little bit of a lead here. Like I think the right time to buy right now is on the Ravens, and I, I mean, I honestly like mm-hmm. I get it. Like, there's reasons to be bull to be bullish about the Steelers. There's reasons to be kind of just glowing about the Browns and their roster. But like, honestly, like the Ravens look like a team that's going to have the lead halfway through the season, if if you ask me. And at that time, if you want to scoop a little value on the Browns or something like that, that makes sense. But um, I, I think the I think the Ravens are the look in the AFC North, and I'm surprised the market isn't pricing them more aggressively. Yeah, they, they do, and I'm just going to go off a couple different metrics. Maybe I'll just grab Warren Sharp. Warren Sharp has their has their schedule like 23rd. They they actually wow. have an easier schedule. They face the 11th. They faced the 11th touch, toughest total efficiency for schedules last year. Forecasts can be wrong, but they're forecasted to face the 23rd toughest. And even, I mean, it, and it's pretty average. Like it's it's twenty first, nineteenth offense, defense, total efficiencies. They they're not uh, they're not like facing a super tough slate of offense or defense. It's Great. it's pretty balanced as far as that. And yeah, there's not there, I mean, and there's you, not you take, a you, t- you take a team. Spots. Yeah, there's not no and and then just yeah, spots. like you said, the schedule. 
the schedule in general shakes out. Obviously, there's tough spots, but nobody's going to make it all year without playing some tough teams, and even within their own division. And also, they they have to play both Super Bowl contender or both Super Bowl teams from last year and Kansas City. So there are tough spots, but there are a lot of low spots. It's it's real high spots and real low spots. I mean, just look the first. Take the first four: Miami, Arizona. And then Kansas City, Cleveland, which, yeah, which sure. still Cleveland is mostly an unknown, but it's projected to be a tough, a tough, uh, a tough game. And then away at Pittsburgh, yeah. And then you get Cincinnati at home, so it's a lot of peaks and valleys of the schedule. I, like I think four, I'm two in on a two out of those those first six weeks. To be honest, I could see him lose that, at KC. That, at like we said, the, I could see him win either one of those two, though. And to win the North, plus 320. I'm sure I can find a better number than that. I only grabbed from one book. To yeah, see, I like Make that. the playoffs, plus 170. I love that. Over nine wins, plus 149. There's I'm a on, ton on of things to like about this. Okay, so let me know what his rushing, Lamar's rushing yard is. His, uh, rushing, his, his rushing yard total? Is it, uh, oh God, dude, I don't even know how to price this. Uh, 1599? Is that crazy? Rushing yards? I have no idea. Yeah, that's crazy. What is it? It's 858 minus 135. That's probably super low. That's probably super low, right? I was going to say, I thought it was low. I thought it was low. Maybe not as low as you thought it was. I feel like I'm going to look at stats that are going to show them in the... and you know what that I again this is goes back to what I said about Drew Brees throwing for 4500 yards. I think I'm looking at stats that include the playoffs when I'm looking at this. So he might not even had 1300 yards passing, which it's not like he tacked on a ton in the playoffs, but uh he rushing wise rushing wise I don't know. He had a bunch. Yeah, okay. I'll figure um, it out eventually. Either way, we'll Maybe we'll dig into that and do some tweeting about it. So, last, last should we talk key, about that? Last key, last key point, okay. and then let's move on to Pittsburgh. Uh, the other reason to back them in the AFC North is Week 16 at Cleveland, Week 17 hosting Pittsburgh. Those two games, that little triangle right there, that we're talking about, that that decides the division, probably. Because these are all good teams, they're all going to be in the conversation. This is no one. I, I mean, maybe one of the three drops out, but I think this is going to be a pretty good, um, you know, pretty good race to the end, right? Week sixteen, Baltimore at Cleveland. They get extra rest off of Thursday night football. Week seventeen, hosting Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is on their second straight road game. This is kind of key. That the fact that at the end of the season, when the going gets tough, when the division's being decided, they're at advantage spots in both of those matchups. I think that's huge. Um, so Baltimore to win the AFC North is, is one of my favorite looks across all, all of the, uh, the NFL prop market, especially what's still still available out there. How about you, Pittsburgh? You ready to sell these guys? I'm, I'm still not out. I'm, I'm out on Cleveland. Just fading live. I still like a lot of things about Pittsburgh. That's where I don't. And like you said, you did say this not but five ten minutes ago. Again, I think it goes for this this division again. I don't really think I'm going to buy any to win the AFC or to win the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a hard battle. I think there's some nice numbers to win the division to make the playoffs, maybe a win total. 
even if I'm even if I'm bullish on a team in this division, I don't think I'm I'm going to be taking anything to you know to make any noise in the playoffs. So that's where I'm at on that. Yeah, Pittsburgh's a fun one because, as far, especially as far as props, did you see all that stuff? If I sent you on regular season win total matchups, I did. <laughs> you can have Pittsburgh minus Pittsburgh versus the Raiders minus three games one. Minus one eighty. They have a lot for Pittsburgh, but um, we'll get to we'll get to some of the props here in a bit. Um, like we said, it was a weird fuck up year. It was. They, they had a couple. They, lost they had a couple a lot of really cool games. They games. Won. Yeah. Yeah the the Oakland game. I'm trying to think of the other one that the Oakland whatever their tie was playoffs. the tie the, like the tie against the Browns week one. Yeah, was stupid. Well, and the yeah. tie the tie they should have. They I feel like the kicker. Missed something. It was just like the Vikings game where it shouldn't have been a tie. They probably oh, shouldn't no. take They were that. comfortably and, ahead, and they let Hugh Jackson in back into that game. Yeah, <laughs> that was bad. It was awful. We'll try and we'll try not to shit on Hugh Jackson too much, but it's going to be awful tough when we get to the Browns. <laughs> but yeah, they yeah they had some they had some just and it, granted it was a season with some turmoil. Things were going on in the locker room. Antonio or uh, Le'Veon Bell was doing his thing. There was, you know, Big Ben was doing his normal thing where he said he might retire before the season. Tomlin just sits there staring off to the distance, making minus EV decisions. It was a goofy season, but it was uh, an underperforming season. Their Pythag was probably around 10. What do you have? I have 9.7 with yeah, football yeah. outsiders. They, un- they underachieved big time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just a couple of those games, those really close games that they lost. And then... You know, this is like the opposite of of what you said about uh, Baltimore. Baltimore was great. They won the division. The quarterback led them to six out of seven wins to go as, once they made the change. They added some nice pieces. They're really smart front office, and people are just down on them. Whereas we have Pittsburgh, who had a not a disaster season, but a season where they were a Super Bowl contender who went to not making the playoffs, and then they lost Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and people right. are higher on them. Yeah, right, And right, with right. a quarterback who's older, with a coach who's not all that smart. I'm, and, I, will I, listen, mean, they, I will listen to the arguments. They, I, 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 I get it. I'll listen I to the arguments. Right. I'll listen to the arguments that say AB was addition by subtraction. I'll listen to those. Oh, um, for sure. Le'Veon Bell, I will completely contest, was – you know, he was his his skill set was you know was appreciated. Um, he's a dynamic playmaker, but uh, the success in the running game in Pittsburgh specifically is born out of just amazing you know block, blocking schemes and and uh, an outstanding interior and and uh, just general run blocking offensive line play. And you know we know how important offensive line is to the rushing game, and you know they have they have it in spades. That's how James Conner can step in and be you know world beating, and that's how they their third you know third man up after James Conner gets a you know a popped in the head can be world beating. So you know that it's I would it's reasonable to expect that their offensive offensive line will still be one of the top in the league. It's reasonable to expect that um, you know there could be a little bit more 
cohesiveness on the offensive side of the ball now that Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger aren't fighting over the same pie as far as money goes. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, clearly a difference maker on and the wide receiver position. And just in general, they're wide receivers. They coach these guys up. They come out of nowhere, and they coach them up to be superstars. And the next man up there could be amazing. So, you know, next man up kind of across the board on offense seems like a reasonable expectation. The problem is, of all those things you mentioned, one thing didn't change. Yep. You still have Tom. Excuse me. So you still have, um, yeah, you still have Tomlin on the sidelines making minus EV decisions. How many games does that cost him this season? Is there a prop on that? <laughs> that would be that would be an interesting one to grade. Um, you know, you know how we've we've had themes, we've had themes throughout these, and this one will be the the run defense slate as they play similar schedules. So they'll have a they'll have an easier schedule and easier run defense slate. But I think the other theme is just like the weird stat thing. How Baltimore was a successful team, even though they ran the ball on early downs and made that work. Um, Pittsburgh was a successful offense. They used play action less than any team in the NFL. And when they did use play action, they were bad. Like, they weren't good at it. And the weirdest part about it was they were really, really, really good on defense against play action. I don't know how the defense got good at that practicing against a team that sucked at it and didn't do it much. So none of that really adds up. But, it was again, it was a weird team. They, they don't use play action much, but they still – I think it's just like we said with Baltimore. They, they know their strengths. They they don't call a bad offense. It's just uh, – yeah, Tomlin makes bad decisions. Juju – I didn't realize this. Juju had 111 catches. It's incredible. He was unbelievable. And he underperformed in touchdowns. Like he, like he had like a bunch of tackles at like two yards sure. or something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, so let me ask you. Um, let's assume the Steelers lose a game they should have won. Let's assume their Pythag difference was another, you know, a, a plus one again, right? Like they win nine instead of ten, or ten instead of eleven, right? And I don't think the margin is there for this. I don't think the margin. They don't have enough of a talent margin. They don't have enough of a schedule advantage. They don't have enough um, going in their favor, I think, to make up the fact that one game lost is too many in this very tight division. Okay? And and at, at its core, I think the fact that the coaching is holding this team back is what has me not buying into the Steelers' love that exists across a lot of other NFL information circles right now. I And I'm not joking. Like, the Steelers took, have taken... They're, they're one of the most bet into teams off of the opening number. Um, oh, they've yeah. gone up almost 50 cents from the open. 31 cents of that has come uh, from the beginning of training camp. So really, like people have seen are seeing what this team, how this team is composed. They are seeing how they're playing in the preseason and they continue to bet on them to exceed expectations, which is kind of surprising to be honest, because usually the Steelers number are a public team and their number is a little inflated and it makes sense that, you know, you see some of the sharper action push down, but here we sit and this does seem like a team that people are eager to back. And I guess, you know, the real thing, you know, we, 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 we break these teams down. We tend to spend most time on quarterback number one and coaching number two. Um, the, I think that the reason people who are buying into the Steelers are buying them is they feel like the defense is going to be a heck of a lot better. Eh, 
sure, they may be fine. They still have some issues, but I don't know how much the defense really matters in today's NFL. And, you know, we'll, we'll, so let's put a pin in defense for right now and, and, and zero back in on the quarterback because we never talk about Ben Roethlisberger. We don't ever really consider him among the top guys in the league. Uh, and, you know, maybe he's in this 6 to 10 range as, as far as quarterbacks go. I don't remember if we put him in there when we were kind of doing our top 10 ranking. And granted, we're going to have to revisit that now because now one of the top five is gone. But, you know, it, is, oh, ben Roethlisberger, is Ben Roethlisberger pretty clearly um, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? And, you know, if he's, if he's not type, top five, like what is it about his game that holds him back? I think he's he's in that six to twelve range. I think pretty, we put him in there. Pretty I thought, cool, we, right? Why did why did we not write that down? Yeah, first off, why did we not write that down? I have it written. When down. we did, that. we're going to circle. We really, no, we're we're going to circle. We, oh, back. Did, did you we're, did? Okay, yeah, okay, I have okay. It written down. I have it written down. Uh, we're going to circle back and, right. and put a. How many yards? How many yards do you think he threw for last year? It was not close to five. It was, it was close. To, it was close to five thousand. It was uh, second most in the league. Yeah, I after think Mahomes. It was, yeah, it was over five thousand. So, so what is it about? He I mean, like, was, like, uh, like, why don't we? Why, why isn't it off the top of our head? Why aren't we like, oh yeah, no, he's in the conversation with Rodgers. He's in the conversation with Matt Ryan. Like, yeah, he ought to be, right? What is it? Why aren't we? Why are we cool? On yeah, him? I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at, a, I'm looking at his stats. I don't know because he's just like one bad, weird play away from the walking boot. Although he doesn't ever seem to miss games. Like, uh, he started all 16 last year. He started 14 and 15 the two years before that. So is it a consistency? Is it flat out a consistency thing? Is it, a, is it an underachieving with a good team or a good roster and a good franchise around him? Kind of. Like, I mean, he has two Super Bowls. He went to a third. Like, is, is it, is it just like a, is it just a general kind of, um, he has, you know, he's got the physical stature. He's got the, you know, he's, he was, he's been impossibly impossible to tackle and take down through his entire career. Like literally he was not a threat to get sacked, (laughs) which is a huge attribute. If you're uh, you know, if you're a quarterback in today's modern NFL where you're passing so often. So, you know, he's throwing too many interceptions. He's just not, you know, he doesn't have he doesn't quite have the the full package that holds him up against a guy like Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers. Like what's what is it? I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's a hell of a really question. Like, I don't he, really have he, yeah, I don't either. He 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 threw sixteen picks last year. That was the highest since like oh, it's been a decade. He had a really bad year in two thousand six, it appears, when he was uh, a much younger man, but uh, sixteen I mean, he has he has the stats. What's holding this team back? What happened? Is it it, the defense? It's somewhat the defense. It's somewhat the coaching. It's something about Ben. Like, there's just a I lot mean, of things that we can't really put a finger on. Like, why can't he beat the Patriots? You know, yeah, like, was, why can't? It was, it was a good combo them? of everything. I think. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little bit of uh, Tomlin making shitty decisions. It was Boswell missing kicks, losing close games. It was tying the freaking Browns back when. I mean, everyone. Oh, I mean, the Browns overachieved. They had a good year, not in week two or whenever, 
that was still when they had Hugh and um, everybody, Todd Haley. I mean, that was the dumb Browns. That was the bad Browns. That was the Tyrod Browns. Sure. And that that game was incredulous that that game went that way. That was super weird. The Browns were a really weird team early on in the season. They were. It's not like they were, they were overachieving in the right ways. They were just a goofy team to play against. Oh, yeah, the – the, the defense, I suppose. I don't know. And it's not like they – did they pay Le'Veon at all? Did they have to pay him whatsoever last year? No. The roster construction was weird if they were paying him. No, they didn't. And good teams don't pay a lot. He never, si- he never so signed, maybe, he never signed maybe, the franchise tender. Yeah, he never did sign. Maybe you say AB was subtraction, addition by subtraction. But I think, you know, not putting a lot of money into your running backs is going to be the, subdition, uh, the addition by subtraction. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe not true. this year, but that's boy, true. they're going to have they're going to have a nice bit of cap space with what they're well, spending. They, okay, so here's okay. Hold, and hold even on a th- hold I mean, th- look at look at the wide receivers. Oh no, hold no, I mean, look at the wideouts. Yeah, they're no, not paying they, them shit either. No, Washington, no. Schuster, those. Yeah, no, they're not making the, much money. The the Steelers are a really, really, really good <laughs> franchise in terms of the way that they do their roster makeup and they are they are a very very solid franchise at developing the talent that they draft even guys that they may they may not make awesome draft picks every year but the guys they do pick up they develop into solid nfl players they have a very very solid success rate of re-signing retaining you know getting guys on club friendly deals like they like they've kind of you know in in the same way that the patriots have kind of you know, cracked the cracked the salary cap era by you know kind of bringing in retreads and and taking chances on guys and and getting proven guys off of other rosters and and, and incorporating them on on club friendly deals. The Steelers have done the same thing, bringing guys up through their organization, right? Like they're kind of like they're kind of like your your standard MLB team that just has a sick farm system and they're just constantly restocking with good players. Like that's your Steelers, right? And I, you know, I, I don't I. There are just some small things, like some decision making from Roethlisberger, some decision making from Tomlin, some, you know, you know, ways that they, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of deal with, um, you know, adversity in the locker room, and just kind of the general kind of maybe it's just maybe, and I, I hate to go there, but a pl- kind of a player centric locker room, and, and kind of all of these players having, you know, kind of an outsized role in terms of leadership of the team. Maybe that's not good. Right, like maybe Tomlin is too player friendly of a coach. He's been there for too long. Like that could be part of the issue. I really don't know. But there's something that's holding back the Steelers. And and really, like if you're losing a game here or there that you should otherwise be winning because of bad decision making, like the Raiders game last year. Like if you're losing to the Raiders, who are an absolute also ran in a game that you'd have absolutely no business even being in a competition with, let alone losing. Like that's going to hold you back. And I don't see that that won't happen again. It's probably time for Tomlin to find a new spot. It's probably time for them to bring in a different voice and a different tone and somebody who's on the cutting edge of what's, you know, what it's like to be kind of a plus EV team from an analytics standpoint. Maybe they just need to invest in the analytics department from top to bottom in Pittsburgh. I don't really know. But whatever it is, you know, they, they need to shake things up here because I, I don't see it happening for them this season. And they have wasted an awful lot of uh, years and an awful lot of talent top to bottom on their roster without winning a lot of Super Bowls going back to. Uh, the miraculous win over the Cardinals in what 2008 or nine, the year Brady had a torn ACL. Um, so you think? Uh, last Matt last Cassidy. quick last quick note. Uh, Roethlisberger uh, going to be remembered as the best of the uh, trio that was drafted a billion years ago. 
Manning, Roethlisberger, and uh, and Rivers. God, you know what sucks? I think Rivers is the best player out of the three, <laughs> and the other and the other two got the two the other two got two Super Bowls apiece, which sucks. God, I know now it. I really hope Rivers can. And then and and it sucks because Rivers is in such a tough situation with uh, the Patriots. You know, just the Patriots dynasty. Roethlisberger doing what he did. Even even you know the Andrew Luck years when he was playing well. Peyton Manning. Fuck the AFC is rough. Yes. Like, honestly, good it's on so Roethlisberger crazy. for getting two Super Bowls. Because God knows we'll never know how. Of, we'll, I mean, even, we'll never know yeah, how Manning. Belichick did this. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I don't want to heap any praise in the Patriots because they get plenty. But yeah, Christ, I mean, just start thinking about all the all the good teams we've had in the AFC over the past, you know, whenever sure. they got drafted, two thousand four. But you know, in Eli's, both of Eli's Super Bowls were kind of weird. It's not like they were undeserved. They had good Super Bowl runs. It was kind of like so, so were so were uh, like, so uh, yeah, you, know, you have a good playoff run. Yeah, so no, that's Roethlisberger. I mean, Roth- Roethlisberger. I mean, and granted, if we haven't already pissed off Steelers fans enough, let's kick dirt on their two Super Bowls. <laughs> like they beat the Seahawks in the worst, they have six. in the worst, in the. I know, but the two under the Roethlisberger regime, uh, in the in the Roethlisberger. I just, uh, I just uh, wanted to era. be nice to him once. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm kicking dirt on the Steelers. Sorry, Steelers fans. Um, not only do we love the Ravens this year, we hate the Steelers, but your two Super Bowls were undeserved. Um, the, the first one was the super poorly officiated Super Bowl against the Seahawks, uh, which I guess they were the better team. Maybe. Who knows? We'll never really know. Uh, and then the second was that uh, coin flip game against the Cardinals, where if, you know, if we have super duper high def you know, HD video like we do today. I'm not sure his feet are in downs on that touchdown at the end of regulation. Oh my God. Uh, so it's, it was, uh, you know, I guess I, I don't really want to take away those Super Bowls from them, but I'm going to, you know, I want to say nice stuff. Lucky. I want, okay. All right. So you talk, I've got nice okay, stuff to say. You, so, I think, so let's talk about I think, the defense. I think we shat on them. Let, let's talk about the defense then. Is this defense, well, I mean, made offense enough too. I don't, uh, well, uh, let's, the, the offense is going to be fine. They're going to be good. Next man up, they're going to be yeah. good. Uh, defense, did they make Deontay enough? Johnson, baby. Have they made enough? Have they made enough investments on this defense that this is a difference making unit in your opinion? I know a lot of people that are pretty high on Bush. I mean, uh, he's looked, he's looked apart, I guess. They like, didn't really huge, huge I mean, pushback they, on this, huge pushback on this. So what if Bush is amazing? What does that do for you as a team on the defensive side of the ball? You're great at what? Well, that, like you're not. Uh, that, you're not and that is like my. You're, like you're going to be able to prevent teams from putting away a win, right? Like, like what is what is it? He's dynamic at doing that. That that yeah. makes that helps and that's, you. That's win fair because he's not a good coverage guy. He's not. Yeah, he's not a great coverage guy. He's been. He got burnt some a bit in college by better passing offenses. I mean, but it's it's probably better than some of the stuff they trotted out last year at linebacker. Hayden can hold his own. They have a they have a good defense. It's not like a great defense. It's a good defense. And I guess, I mean, we said defense doesn't matter earlier on. Maybe they can just follow this. Uh, you know, maybe they can follow the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs game plan. They have a couple good uh, running backs. They got Washington Schuster. I mean, Moncrief isn't awful. They draft who's that? Okay, Deontay Johnson. They drafted. Granted, he played in the MAC, but 
but he was nuts. If you watch, if you're a degenerate and watch some action, he was a lot of fun. <laughs> I and then I don't. Who's the other guy? Oh, I gotta find him now. Oh, just the running back that they they uh, picked up. Not Benny Snell. Where the fuck is he? Yeah, it'll come to me. Either way, yeah, I'm no, super high on. I'm super high. I'm super high on the offense. I think they can, and it's a good offensive line. They have a decently easy slate of defenses to play against. Maybe it won't matter all that much as the defense is is, uh, is not that great. I think we kind of hit it. We hit it multiple times. It's gonna it's gonna come down to Tomlin, and maybe if you're a Steelers fan or a Steelers backer who has probably seen enough as as well, maybe this isn't a year you want to do that well. It's gonna be okay. hard to run them out of town if you keep winning nine ten games. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Okay, so so here's the thing. Um, earlier this preseason, you were cool on the Steelers. I think you were ready to that that this was the end kind of sentiment around them. And now it sounds like we're kind of in agreement that this is yeah, this is a nine win team. Nine is fair. Uh, what what changed your sentiment? And or did I have that read right? And and if so, what changed your sentiment? Well, I mean the price point. I mean, yeah, we can say yeah. that we can say that Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh are. I, I think they're very similar. I think they'll have similar amount of success. But when Baltimore's, you know, three three and a quarter to win the division, and Pittsburgh's plus one seventy, obviously there's a team I like better. Same thing yeah, goes right. with the with the win total. So we said Baltimore over nine is plus one forty nine. Pittsburgh over nine is minus one forty. It's Definitely a price point thing for me. Got it. Okay. I think they're just getting too much respect as a name team, and I, I do think they'll be a good team. I'm not. I'm not so. I'm not selling them by any means. I don't okay. think I'm going to fade them. I don't believe betting on on Baltimore is a fade of uh, Pittsburgh. I just, right. just don't think Pittsburgh has that, you know, 12, 13 win capability with, uh, you know, just how tough the division will be, and maybe maybe some minus CV coaching decisions. So I think yep. it's more of an indictment of the pricing than the teams. And I, honestly, I, I, I rank I'm, the, I rank yeah. the, I rank them similarly. I'm colored. I'm also colored by looking at their schedule and seeing that their last two weeks in the season are on the road and kind of in my head, yep. there's a 30% chance that they win the AFC North and maybe, yeah, maybe they win enough. Maybe we win 10 instead of nine and get a playoff spot. But if they're coming in through the wild card door and your last two games, of the regular season are on the road. Sorry. You're an also ran. I'm not betting you to win the Super Bowl this year. Like that's kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of my operating assumption, at, you know, heading into the season and probably coloring some of my perception as to why I don't want to bet them, <laughs> I, honestly. And, uh, you know, all that said, you think they beat the Patriots week one? Obviously, Patriots slow start. <laughs> you think that line gets out to seven? Uh, maybe. I don't know if they'll see that much. I mean, maybe everybody else is tired of betting on the Patriots early in the year, at least against that, the spread. It's not like, like they've started great, slow record-wise. That feels like a great spot to bet. Uh, take the points. I, I mean, maybe they win, maybe they don't. But that's, that's, the point. that's a coin flip game. That's not a freaking touchdown game. I, 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 yeah, I'm, Gillette early in the season. Yeah, no freaking I'm not as worried about that. As far as, you, you, you want to play Gillette in September, not in December. Sure. And not, not even just the weather. Just the, the atmosphere seems different when they get closer – and the you know the team smelling blood, and they realize they're going to win their 18 millionth division title, and <laughs> Roethlisberger's coming to town. So, yeah, if it does get to seven, that's probably a buy on Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm, uh, even at six, I kind of yeah, like, I'm, de- I'm definitely like, like I said, I'm not I'm not low on them. 
Yeah. I like and TJ Watt, 13 sacks last year. Yeah. TJ Watt's the good. Defense has some nice, nice pieces. It's not a complete defense by any means, but they do have some nice pieces. All right. My my last Weird final stat, stupid my, most yeah, penalties sure, against. Oh, you're shitting opponents me. Have been, okay. All no, right. no, opponents penalties. Oh wow. Oh, really? over under on all right, 154 opponent penalties. That's the Whoa. most over under on yardage that, that those penalties accounted for. How many mm. free yards were they given by opponents' penalties? <laughs> this number is weird. Uh, 154? Um, 154 penalties. It would be more yardage than that. So, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I'll go with I thought uh, that was your guess. That was a terrible no, no, guess. No. I was just qualifying that it was 154 penalties. So I'm going to go on average 10 yards per penalty. So I'm going to say 15, 1,500. Well, that's a lot. There's a lot of five yard penalties, goofball. 1,170. Oh, okay. Which that's still, that's I know that feels low. It, it feels that's low compared bad. to the 154. But think about that. That's 11 times down the field. Yeah. Penalties. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a lot that's, that is that's 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 gets a lot of points added. Um, okay, uh, last little weird hot take because I probably teased it at the beginning, but like, yeah, you know, the defense I would expect to take a step forward from what we've seen the last two seasons from Pittsburgh. Even you know, even though I'm not in love with Bush as much as the collective, you know, consciousness of NFL betting public. Um, you know, when Ryan Chazier got hurt. I, you know, I did not have Shazier as like an especially difference making player in the NFL at that time. Like he was a good player, sure, but he was adding no points either way to the spread at that time for me and my model. Um, and I would say that the impact that he had on the defense was much more mental, was much more motivational, was much more about the Steelers, you know, were at that time, they were making up for some limitations in their coverage and on the, you know, in their secondary by hitting hard, by, you know, by creating incompletions out of, you know, out of physicality. Um, and I think when Shazier got hurt, the physicality dropped and people were less willing to put their bodies on the line because they had just been faced with the realization that, you know, paralyzation was possible. And, and, you know, I think that that has waned through, you know, through time that that has decayed and that, you know, a lot of these guys are back to doing it the old way. Um, and just, you know, the new guys coming in obviously aren't impacted because they weren't there firsthand seeing it. So, you know, I think, I think all of that kind of is more, you know, more can be attributed to the Steelers defense getting better over the last couple of years, really than even what they've done to, to add pieces. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a weird take. I know it's, you know, and anytime we kind of drift into the motivational kind of headspace for NFL players, it's weird. Um, but, you know, I, I will kind of go to my grave. Do you remember that. that game, though? After he got hurt? Yeah. They were shook as fuck. They I mean, and it's not just yeah. an injury. Like, oh, I mean, there's season-ending injuries. There's career-ending injuries. And then there's injuries were like you know like dennis bird injuries this was yeah right super scary at the time i don't blame them for being shook i mean that's their teammate you can't it's their friend you can't blame like that, that was i mean that no, was a lot yeah it was for sure the magnitude of the injury definitely had some bearing and it it, it affected them throughout that season yeah no i was and, like just you said say, maybe even like, further. I, like i will just grow, go to my grave that the motivational aspects of the nfl are real because you have to suspend disbelief that you're putting your body on the line every single snap like you can't operate recognizing that this is a possibility on every time you're going to make a tackle as a defensive player you just can't every time you're running across the middle as a receiver you can't be thinking about i might get my freaking 
you know, my vertebrae, you know, shattered here. Like you just can't do it. And so motivation is huge. And, and that's kind of, you know, I think that underlies a lot of, um, you know, some of the weirder unexplainable aspects of, you know, of teams un- over and underperforming on any given week, but it's for the day. Um, Browns, brownies, uh, year, a year. Removed. Yeah, just, uh... a year, we're, we're a year too early uh, from really seeing this team kind of realizing um, sort of their ascendancy to true contenders in the FC. Is that, is that a fair summary? I'm I'm so torn. Like, I was cold on them. I, I wasn't cold, but I said the hype will be too high. I said this back in, like, May when we talked first about this. The hype will be too high, and I'm going to wait for the numbers to get pumped way up and then come up on the other side. I think while that's probably true, I think the thing that has me the most excited about the Browns or most bullish on the Browns is just going back and reading – Reading, I don't know, there should be like a genre of literature to call this. Hugh, Hugh stuff, like just things Hugh did, just random random anecdotes about things that Hugh did. Or do you remember, I need to watch the tape, where Tyrod got the shit kicked out of him and knocked out of the game, and then Baker came in, played great, won the game, and they asked him who's going to start the next week. I got to watch the tape. Like just some of the stuff he like it makes you wonder if this team wasn't a playoff team last year, if they got rid of Hugh before the season or they started. I, I think they might have been. I don't think it's like a Super Bowl contending team. Still really young in a lot of places. It's you know as as high as everyone is, and we all are on Baker. He's still a very young quarterback, and that's tough. But like this, this might have been a ten win team if you throw Hugh out of the equation last year. Yeah, there was some I agree. really shitty ideas. I mean, just right from Jump Street, right from the preseason. So, uh, and and you know, everyone wants to talk about Freddie Kitchens. Everyone, Todd Munkin's going to be a big help, but like Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes is kind of a sneaky ad too. They completely yeah. redid the uh, you know they redid the coaching staff. Steve Wilkes, how shitty were the Cardinals last year? The shittiest, the worst. They were bad. I think yeah. The worst record in the league. Obviously, they had the number one pick. They had the fourth fourth most efficient pass defense last year. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Wilkes is still a good defensive coach. He definitely falls into that, into that strata of coaches who's like you just not. They don't have it to be a a head coach. Maybe he will someday, but he didn't last year. Sure. Right now, he's still he's a really good coordinator of a defense, and I think I think it's probably an upgrade all around on off or on on coaching. Yeah, all three, all three coaches. uh, Yes, elevated, (laughs) elevated all three for sure. You want to hear a weird one about Freddie Kitchens real quick? Yeah, go ahead. He he had a heart attack at an airs when he was with the Cardinals. What? At a minicamp practice. Really? Yeah, he was diagnosed. He had a minor heart attack. And he didn't bounce back. Or he bounced back, obviously. He's still with us. But, like, what is it with coaching for the Cardinals and then almost dying? Like, that doesn't bode well for coach. Like, that just... I, I read about this. I think it was in, I think something that Chernoff had passed along. Damn. He he had health issues with the Cardinals, so hopefully he's okay. Like yeah. he wants to see another Arian steal, but it's just weird yeah. that it was the Cardinals again. So yeah, and I, yeah, we're high on him. We're excited um, about the kitchen. Yeah, I'm excited about the kitchen's era. But again, you know, like I need to see him get some reps. 
and he's going to make some mistakes. Absolutely. He's going to call. He's going to he's going to bungle some fourth down calls. He's going to make some conservative decisions when he should be aggressive. He's going to be aggressive when he should be conservative. Like it's going to take him a little bit of time to get there. Um, I like the you know the roster. Same sort of story. Like this is a top level elite roster across about eighty percent of it. And then the other 20% is replacement level or worse. And like, honestly, like if you believe at all in the axiom that like a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, well, on the offense, look no further than the tackle play. On the defense, look no further than the, uh, look no further than some of the secondary pieces. Like they are going to have places where you can attack them on offense, you know, attack them on, you know, their defense is going to have places where you can get after them. Their offense is going to have places where you can get after them. And, you know, they're going to they're going to have some extraordinarily entertaining games, um, but they also are still a little bit away from where they need to be to be considered true contenders, as far as I can tell you. Um, Baker Mayfield uh, is obviously a spectacularly talented quarterback. He has... Um, an aura, uh, a charisma about him that is intoxicating. He has kind of a leader of men sort of uh, vibe that I think the Browns have all bought into from one to 53 on that roster. That said, he does lack some humility. And I don't know how that manifests in terms of quarterback play. Maybe it doesn't matter for a lick. Um, but what is a reasonable expectation out of Baker Mayfield this year? Does he have a potential to lead the league in t- yardage, touchdowns, and interceptions? Like, is this the next coming of Brett Favre? <laughs> like, what is what is your read on Mayfield? <laughs> well, I think if you've got a cocky, headstrong quarterback like that, you just you need to make sure you don't bring any big personalities in at wide receiver and have managed to avoid that so far. I don't think we'll see any problems here. It's not like it's not like OBJ is an absolute fucking lunatic who proposed to a kicking net. He, he's out of his gourd. That, there, that goes one of two ways. I mean, that could go really well, or those two could, it could turn into something weird. Big personalities. That is, I mean, Outside of the offensive line, and I just want to touch on that quick because I did watch parts of that Tampa game. That was scary. It was. Like a young sure. quarterback. It's not like Tampa's D-line Tampa, any good anyway. Tampa's D-line sucks. Tampa's <laughs> defensive line is not very good. And they, I mean, they made him look like the steel curtain had babies with the purple people eaters. They were up in his grill. I mean, they were just... I mean, they were living in the backfield. It was not good. That that if I'm a Browns backer, a Browns fan, that's a huge concern. And then also, I mean, just last year they were a very healthy team. They didn't get hurt. Granted, yeah. they didn't make the playoffs, but that sure. again, we'll touch. It was the 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 start with Hugh Jackson. I mean, it's hard to get off when you're handicapped by that start. But they do not have a lot of depth. They're yeah. still constructing this roster. If they suffer a few injuries and a few key spots. They could be, I mean, they could go quickly to the, you know, six, seven win team where they're just another also ran. They have a lot of good weapons and a lot of good spots, but yeah, you, you do need depth. Everybody gets some injuries. They were the seventh healthiest team last year. If that regresses at all and they have some injuries, it could, it could derail in a hurry. I mean, between that and the offensive line, that's what derails this. 
because we are high on that. And just maybe the younger coaching staff. Um, Kitchens will call plays, which, you know, he called plays last year. He's called plays before, but he's never had to call plays while he also runs a team. That is hard. That it, it, it takes a special kind of coach to run the team as a head coach and still make the play callings. And granted, Todd Munkin will be super helpful in that regard. Like he's, it's good to have an offensive coordinator with, I guess his his resume, and we were high on that guy too. We were hoping he'd get a head coaching spot at some point, and maybe he still will. But that is another concern. Just a you know a younger coach. You never know how it goes. So it'll be interesting to say the least. Um, just I don't I don't want to belabor the point on how shitty Hugh was. But I mean, under Hugh last year, they were plus eleven in turnover margin over those mm. eight games. They went oh two five and one. That's like impossible. Since two thousand six, yeah, since two thousand six, there have been thirty eight NFL teams that had a plus eight turnover margin through eight weeks. None of those had a losing record, except yeah. for the two five and one Browns. Jesus. Like just he, he was given gifts. Like they, they had a good turnover margin, and oh god, what was the other one? Oh, and the Browns win rate in games games decided by that. If if a team wins the yeah. turnover battle, they win yeah. roughly 80% of the games. And then Hugh Jackson as a head coach, the average is 80% of games if you win the turnover battle. He won 37.5% of games that so he won the turnover margin. Just like bungling gifts. He he's amazing. He's even in overtime games, there's a good stat. He's one six and one in overtime games. You should you should win about half of those. Just everything shook up bad for that guy, and it's not like he had a he got a bad shake. He was yeah. just kind of a shitty head coach. I'm not afraid yep. to poop on him. Yep. Okay, so then uh, um, the the only other cold water is the pass defense schedule. Yeah, pass really defense. soft pass defense yes. schedule last year. Okay. It's going to be a top ten pass defense schedule so, this year. So things so are going to ramp up a little for Mister Baker. So Baker to lead the league of the league in interceptions is live. How about Miles um, Garrett? D-P-O-Y. Should we save that discussion for when we're going to talk to Alex on uh, our buddy Alex? We're going to bring him on and, and hit hit some of the uh, outright markets here, or you know, some of the um, the uh, some of the uh, uh, you know, fun prop markets. And uh, but you know, do you, you, what? How many games did the uh, do the? I guess do the Browns have to be a playoff team for him to get consideration, or he could have that you know that this spectacular year. I think it helps. I, I haven't gone back and looked at who's all wanted if somebody wanted on a non-playoff team, but he had 50 hits and hurries to go with 13 and a half sacks. He had a good year. Yeah, He'll have another good year. Yeah, he looks and unreal. If, and if the team's good, yeah. And if the team is good, they're going to, you know, it's going to garner more press for him. It yeah, does help to be on a good team, and maybe there'll be maybe there'll be a little bit of uh, Aaron Donald fatigue after he won it a couple years in a row. And voters, because it's weird, voters are weird. I yeah, need to watch I mean, tape. yeah, Aaron Donald. I think all likelihood points he will take a step back in terms of statistical performance. And if you're just looking at stat sheet and making your vote, you're going to look at last year, look at this year, and see, oh, well, he didn't do as well. Therefore, I'm going to vote for someone else, even if he was still clearly the best defensive player. But we'll save all this discussion for Alex on Thursday. Um, last couple hit on the, how many the, interceptions do you think he hit. throws? Uh, Baker Mayfield, I'm gonna say tw- yeah. when, 22. You can his over under on that is 14 and a half. You that is definitely an actionable <laughs> edge if that's what you believe. 
<laughs> I think the I don't, best I'm defense he's me. playing. He's gonna. Yeah. I honestly, he's gonna. He's gonna be. Um, he's gonna turn the ball over. I'm telling you, man. Like he's got the bravado to be a leader in the NFL and to do awesome things. But at the same exact sentence, you know, it doesn't. Not the kind of guy that's going to be learning from his mistakes. He's going to have forced passes because he's not going to have as much time because his offensive line sucks. Like that—that's the correlation, right? Like, like think about that. Like we've learned, a sh- we've learned a lot from some super, super smart people who are analyzing the NFL. And m- maybe one of my favorite of, of all of these was sort of the kind of the concept of you know these are the three trade-offs that every quarterback has to live with. It's making the play taking the sack or throwing the pick, right? Like it's, it's literally like, you know, like, Oh, I'm not going to risk throwing an interception or taking a sack. I'm throwing it away. Right. Like, Oh no, I'm going to, you know, I want to make the play so badly, you know, I'm going to stand in the pocket, stand in the pocket, stand in the pocket. I'm not going to throw a pick. And then I get sacked. Okay. Well, I don't have time in the pocket. I'm going to make the play. I'm going to rush it. And I throw the pick. Like that's the Baker Mayfield. I'm expecting to see this year. It's going to look, I think he's going to have some stat lines that look weird and wild and are, you know, three touchdowns, three pick kind of games. Like, honestly, like the over on the Baker Mayfield interceptions, I can't believe it's that low. Say 14 and a half. Yeah. 14 and a half, 15 cents on either side. I guess you can hunt around a little too. Dude, I'm looking at the schedule right now. He's going to hit that by, he's going to hit that by week nine. That's that is a, that is. I, I think I you know That's I don't want to speak line. for you here, but I I think you know you're not saying he's going to have a bad year or this team no. doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs. No. This team could win eleven games, and he could still have twenty interceptions. He is going to be that kind of quarterback. I think you're right. He had fourteen last year, starting thirteen games. So it does feel like and and that was like we said that was a soft. That was a bottom 10 pat and you know, the projections we're looking for forward. I said, you know, top 10 hardest pass defense schedules that this is in the past. Like we know that that was a bottom 10 pass defensive schedule that the Browns faced last year. Sure. He threw 14 with 13 starts. So I think that's probably, that's probably a touch low, couple, couple picks low. And I think you might've talked to the other one there. I think that's a good look, man. Overall, um, okay. I mean, just oh, yeah. overall, overall. Yeah, go ahead. What do you think of the win total? I think it's about right. Win total, nine. roughly think, nine. Honestly, I think nine and seven is where this team lands. I think they control a lot of their own destiny. I think if we see, yeah, I think if we see, t- if we see Freddie Kitchens kind of force growth on this team, if we see their offensive line come together as a cohesive unit. If maybe they make a deal for an offensive lineman, like Trent Williams would look pretty good in freaking Brown. In, in a Browns uni, I got to tell you, uh, you know, like if, if they do something to bolster some of the key holes on this, on this, uh, you know, on this uh, uh, roster, I think we're talking about a nine, 10 win team comfortably. And I'm probably going to be talking myself into is the time to buy low on the Browns if they're like, you know, four and three or, or four and four and they control their own destiny. You look at their schedule. All of their important divisional games are backloaded. Like this is one of the weirdest schedule distributions I can remember in a long time. Um, almost all schedules are kind of equally weighted, where you get two or three of your divisional opponents in the first quarter, first half of the season, first third, I'll say, and then the other um, the other divisional games are in the last third. The Browns play from week 
um, 11 on, they go Pittsburgh, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cincy, Arizona, Baltimore, Cincy. So they have six of, uh, sorry, five of their six divisional games from week 11 to week 17. So we can literally kind of look at them after their Buffalo game week 10. Uh, and if they are even within spinning distance of whoever is at the top of the standings, like it's going to, we're going to have to have that conversation. Like, is it time to buy low on the Browns? Because they could beat Pittsburgh twice. Uh, they could, you know, beat Baltimore at home week 16. You know, like they have a couple, they have two games in their last four against Cincinnati who may be legitimately positioning themselves for draft choice. Like they, they do have a schedule that sets them up where, if they come together as a team halfway through the season, they could make a little bit of noise and potentially get a playoff spot. And honestly, if we're talking about the Browns potentially being a future team that we want to consider as contenders, like they kind of got to make the playoffs this year. They really got to get their noses, you know, in, in they got to get their, you know, their, um, you know, their feet wet here, get a little bit of playoff experience, get Baker Mayfield's horrific playoff debut out of the way at least once. And, you know, this, this would be a good, the important year to do so. So um. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably going to be looking at. Uh, I like that a lot. Some way to get involved. Getting in mid-season. Yeah, I like. I like that a lot. Breaking down the schedule a little, and if uh, God, it's a weird way to say it, but like if they've looked good in some losses, I don't want to say like you know the the shitty thing, the the moral victory or whatever. Not moral victories, but <laughs> they looked good in some loss. You look good into in a loss to a good team. You played yeah. well. But guess what? You're still the you're still the Browns. You haven't quite got there yet. You know you're gonna play Baltimore. You're gonna play the Rams. But I mean Baltimore. You gotta go play them on eh, away right away. Yeah, you win those first two, and then you kind of struggle through that next four, and then maybe have some trouble with New England and Gillette there. That's maybe yeah maybe there's a buy spot in there because the end of the schedule is a lot easier. It is a little front loaded. Yep. Okay. Um, last last quick quick last note. Browns, uh, public has sold this team. Their uh, their win total is down a quarter uh, from the open. Um, uh-huh. 0.06 cents of that, or you know, six cents of that has come since training camp started. So I think that the kind of the public has gotten ahead of us here a little bit in terms of it, it, you know, or not ahead of us, but they've been on the same wavelength as us as as far as or the market. I say I should say the public. The market is on the same wavelength. Well, as just us a little that, buyback. Know, we, we're we're a little early on this on this team, folks. Um, so uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I think we're a lot early on this team. In fact, I think it's going to be years before they're competitive. Oh, um, and, you know, their schedule. Why? They did the same thing the Browns did. <laughs> I mean, they got rid of all their coaches. I mean, can't we be, can't we be bullish on that? Too? Like, yeah, yeah, oh, we brought in a whole new coaching staff. Mm. I don't even want to spend a ton of time on them because it's just – they've already – it's already looking pretty bad. The AJ injury – their first round draft pick is hurt. They had a, another offensive lineman retire. And I mean, there, there are some nice parts. I'm high on mix and then a few other things, but yeah, super, super bad team. Uh, coupled with some injury, bad luck right away. And a tough fast division with three teams vying for probable playoff spots. Like it's, it sucks to be a Bengals fan. Hopefully this year. Or yep. it's, it's it's probably gonna suck. Which if you but if you are a Bengals fan or a Bengals Packer, I mean the, the longest running gag in the NFL is finally over. So you did get you did get a switch in head coaches finally. I guess we'll see where that takes us. Mm, yeah. 
Uh, I have so little interest in talking about the Bengals. I just want to ask you, did you see Federer lost the first set to Nadal? Nagal. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Nagal? Who the fuck is this? <laughs> what? I don't know. I think it's like a qualifier, what? dude. What? Tennis. Oh it's my first day. Lord. We got two more weeks of this. Nagal. The 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 uh, the huge Nagal. yeah the, the incredible Nagal Federer rivalry. Nagal, what was what were even the odds so, of Nagal uh, taking a set, man? Anyway, uh, sorry. But Nag- let's, let's go I, a lot. Nagal is like twenty four to one money line. So <laughs> oh my god, dude! If somebody has some big tickets, no. Uh, yeah, and like I said, those offensive line injuries, uh, the injury and the retirement, yeah, and just you know not being. Not having a ton of pieces, there. like it kind of ruined my own. I wanted to have a, <clears throat> I wanted to have a Joe Mixon rushing yards over. Yeah, right. But, sure. It's going to be tough line, now. You're going to have injuries, problems. and you're going to yeah, too many problems. The offensive, well, not only that, but you got a, you got a team that's going to be behind a lot. So he might great, end up with more all-purpose points. yards. Just, just two great points. They're going to throw talk, a lot. Yeah. So. Kind of ruined, ruined it Great for points. me. I think it's an underlook actually on Mixon because you know we talked to Siege. He was you know really high on on Mixon, and we kind of talked through the yardage prop, but we kind of settled on at that time. Like you know, it actually it's a little a high. Fair, it's a fair number at the time we thought, and I think you just hit the two key points. This is a team that's going to be behind a lot. They're going to have to try to throw their way back into games. And, uh, you know, Mixon does not have the world's greatest blocking line in front of him. And, you know, I, I mean, we don't really know what to expect from this coach. Zach Taylor is um, from the Sean McVay coaching tree. Presumably he's going to run, <laughs> you know, he's going to run a lot of the 11 personnel and he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be out there trying to, um, disguise what they're doing in the running game, and that may, you know, you know, granted, like I will listen to someone say Mixon could look a lot, hell of a lot, like two years ago's Todd Gurley, um, just based on his expected role. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offensive line in Cincinnati is not great. They've already lost, you know, they've lost. Four, correct me if I'm wrong. They lost four of the season. Their number one draft pick, who was uh, uh, the tackle out of Alabama, right? Like he's 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 gone for the season. Yep. Um, a number of the other players that they brought back, you know, they they brought back. In free from free agency, one of like the worst offensive linemen from grading from a PFF grade standpoint all last year, uh, which is a head scratcher at the time. But you look at a lot of the moves that the uh, that the Bengals made in terms of bringing back um, bringing back players, signing free agents, making draft choices. It looks like they don't really want to compete for wins. They just kind of want to have a team that's cost controlled. And that's kind of always been the knock on Mike Brown. Like, why would Mike Brown take this leap and bring in a coach that has virtually no, you know, no, um, you know, track record here? Well, because he could get him for, you know, relatively cost controlled contract. He can get him on a team friendly contract. And, you know, Mike Brown, not a guy that's really spending free spending here, even though we're kind of winding down to the, you know, to the, end of a lot of the key players on this team's, you know, they're like their, their impactfulness, Geno Atkins, AJ Green, like these guys are really getting to the end of their rope here and they're on kind of a skeleton crew. Um, you, can we expect either AJ Green or, or Atkins to get moved this year? I mean, those are, those are te- those are players I would be targeting hard uh, and I would be looking to give, you know, give the Bengals some opportunities to, to kind of load up on draft choices and, and, uh, and get, get, get free of some, some, obligations and liabilities like yeah i mean you know do we are, are we over 
looking something about this team that they're actually going to compete? I mean, no. I think that I think you hit it on the head there with uh, what, what we went, you know, what we went with for head coach there. Like you can justify it saying, "Oh, it's a it's a McVeigh coaching tree thing." I mean, this could be a shitty rotten twig out of that coaching tree. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that have coached you know under or with McVeigh now. It, it feels like, I mean, if it's if it looks like a tank and it smells like a tank. I don't, I don't even know if it is a tank. It's not even a tank. It's like you said, they just don't try. Coaching or the management, ownership, whatever you want, they don't they don't really have it in them to be like, this is this is it. We're going all in, like you said. They don't care. It's a it's a business. He just wants to turn a profit. Like they've never won a playoff game under under Marvin Lewis. They were just good enough by you know, by the fact that they they had enough decent pieces to win the division a few times. They made the playoff a handful of other times, and th- that's as far as they're ever going to go. I don't, I don't know if they'll ever turn a corner with the current ownership because, like you said, it's you do have to at some point either take a leap of faith on a coach, pay a coach a little more, uh, and increase your roster spending, make some trades. I think you're right as far as the other way. We can see some of the top players on the on the trading block. Granted, this isn't baseball where there's a ton of trades, but AJ gets healthy, comes back, plays a couple games. I don't know where that falls as far as the trade deadline. I don't have to look at that now. That's a super interesting take. Mm, okay. Maybe um, maybe you guys need to draft or pick up pick up uh, AJ Green in fantasy or draft him later on wherever he's falling. And I'm not a fantasy guy, even though I'm in a few leagues. Okay. Maybe he's worth something when he signs with the Patriots later on. Their schedule doesn't really, the schedule doesn't really afford him an opportunity to get off on the right foot anyway. Right? Like last year, their schedule really did break well for them at the beginning of the season. Like they got huge, huge uh, advantages in their first two games. They got off to a two and no start. It was looking like they might actually have something. Uh, it all went sideways after that. But this year, they start out um, at Seattle, home for San Francisco, at Buffalo, at Pittsburgh. <sighs> Is that anything other than 0-4? I, I honestly, like, I don't I think they match up well with any of those teams. <laughs> I don't know what to say here, man. I'm having trouble finding anything I like about this this uh, this squad, and I guess maybe let's let's zero in on the market a little bit here then, because because the because the market agrees with us. Bengals won six games last year. Their Pythag win was about five and a half, so they were they overachieved by a half one. They opened them up at six wins, and you know between opener and today, they have been bet against at among the highest clips in the league. Uh, their win total is down 41 cents. 16 cents of those have come since training camp started. Um, I I got to agree. I mean, the the rap on Andy Dalton is pretty pretty clear and pretty square at this point. The more times you've seen him, the less he's able to do against you. The more time, more pressure you can put him under, the less effective he is in the passing game. Like he's kind of he has significant limitations uh, when he is under duress and when he is you know well, well known well well known to the defense and looking at the schedule looking at this offensive line I really don't see I'm not prepared to be surprised by Andy Dalton in any way this season and you know I think the fact that he's effectively a lame duck uh, is a problem 
for you know any any hope uh, of, of the Bengals surprising. And um, you know, I no. Let, I mean, let's try to get them to five wins here. I'm looking at the schedule with yeah. Um, they get to host the Cardinals, which we still super unknown. But if things don't, you know, they're projected to be another bottom of the league team. They have to travel to Oakland, and they try. I mean, th- their three easiest opponents. If you just want to say it's Miami, Oakland, and Arizona, two of them are on the road. Like, they don't. The schedule makers didn't do them. Before. Very, very many favors either. This is yeah, it's dude, hard this to, schedule's it's horrible. Hard to find. This is a horrible schedule, dude. This is bad. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of it has to do with just the the fact the way they cross over, where they're crossing over. All the teams have to play the Rams in New England, but you know your division's tough you got to play seattle in seattle you got to travel to buffalo granted it's still early in the year at least you're not going to buffalo in december i mean even the patriots at home i mean does that yeah. really matter no, at that point no, late in this no. late in the season no. when the patriots are vying for a top seed and no. you're you've got two wins i mean yeah, this is this is kind of a rough schedule. Dude, Some of the metrics that, say it's not that bad of a schedule, second, but even that second to last trip still, at Miami, that's like Christmas week. Like, hey, uh, Bengals, you've been getting kicked in the teeth all season. Here's a vacation. Go to Miami. Like, like this is awful. This is an awful <laughs> schedule. They're gonna get two wins. What the hell, man? Yeah, they're gonna go shopping. <laughs> I think we. Yeah, need to are we in on a maybe? Maybe we need I to look at one sixteen prop. I'm gonna hunt. This is bad, man. I mean, you know, and granted, like, you could probably go back in time two years and look at what we were saying about McVay's Rams two years ago after he got hired. We didn't believe in them. I didn't, at least. Uh, we didn't. I didn't think Jared Goff had anything. And, you know, I didn't think that the roster was especially talented. And we looked at a bunch of, you know, preseason look at lines and we're like, they're going to be dogs in every game. This is a 4-12 and team, right? Like, I, you know, this, there's things are that when you're an unknown, you know, when you're um, you know, an unknown commodity. It can be, diff- you know, it can be difficult. You can surprise, and and you know, maybe they have a little bit of success early when we're looking at these games and expecting them to, you know, go. Hey, what, what if they go out Seattle and win? And if they win at home with San Francisco, maybe there's some buy-in from the locker room. Maybe guys are playing a little bit harder for their, you know, this new young coach. Maybe his scheme and his decision making is like impressively awesome. Like that, that's a possibility. But I wouldn't put it like higher than ten percent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's a low likelihood scenario, so yeah. I mean, maybe we we, we need to be looking a little harder what their alt unders is, and uh, and just see if this thing just completely goes to hell. Because you know the incentive is there for them to start 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 fresh. Red Rocket, let them move on, let them go be a backup in Houston or whatever, and uh, and get a new guy in charge. Yeah, that's a good look. It. It is getting to that, you know, he's not super old, but he's getting a little long in the tooth. And I think they've gotten all they can out of him. It's it's not like he's going to have some late season or late career renaissance. I think drafting a quarterback early on wouldn't be the worst way to go for this team. Without look, and, you know, I, I joked, uh, you know, about the Browns because I, you know, I waxed poetic about the Browns uh, coaching staff that they brought in. Can you name without looking the offensive and defensive coordinators for the Bengals, the new ones? No. I, uh, 
we talked. I can't about even it pronounce our, one guy. We talked about it when we went through the whole all the changes, but uh, I have no clue. I don't know where they came from. I don't know what their, I don't know what their baseline. I, I mean, it, the 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 entire coaching staff, top to bottom, just looks like they didn't want to spend money on this staff for some reason. Like they know they're not going to contend, therefore we're not spending money on the staff. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Oh yeah, and they're just gonna have Zach Taylor call plays too. Yeah, right. No, but even like saying all this, like that was exactly like like they got rid of Marvin Lewis, who had been there for a long time and was completely stale, and uh, they brought in a young unknown quantity. Like two years in a row, that has worked. It worked in L.A. with the Rams. It worked in Chicago with Nagy. You got rid of a guy who was around for a long time, who was making minus EV decisions, who was holding you back, and you brought in a, a young, unknown unknown quantity. And, I, I mean, what if it works? I, I guess I, I guess that I just need to say this to get it on the record, but, like, you know, this is a low likelihood outcome. I think the, the way that the schedule sets up and, and the holes on this team, especially, you know, the fact that you're combining a poor offensive line with a guy who desperately needs a good offensive line is, is why I'm so cold on these guys. But, um, but yeah, this is a, it's going to be a long season in Cincinnati. Bengals have a long way to go to be a competitive franchise, especially now that they're in this division with all these dynamic quarterbacks and, and good, you know, good rosters. Yeah, at least they, they used to get to be up on the Browns. Like maybe that kind of hid some of the ineptness. Like, oh, at least they're not the Browns. Now they're the cellar dwellers. Yeah, this is going to be rough. I guess I, I hope for all you Cincinnati fans, I hope this team wins no games. So they have an absolute lock on that first that first pick. I hope they I hope they draft a quarterback and he turns out to be great and this team can return to the glory days of Losing to San Francisco, that year that they almost won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, the, the Collinsworth years. I don't know. Like that, that. It's not like my Vikings have ever won a Super Bowl, but um, but I, I hope the I hope that they lose every game this year, though. For sure, they need to they need to end up with a high draft pick, take quarterback, and start to rebuild, and then hopefully the the owner also sells the team. Yeah. <laughs> And that's my Mike take. Brown, and yeah, yeah, I'm definitely Mike, uh, Mike Brown's never selling. Joe Mixon yardage under. I'm not. I'm not afraid of that. And then also, yeah, maybe I'm not afraid under, of that That's my under favorite. Under five and a half. Under five. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that. Uh, I think we talked about. I think we talked about those first two teams for a long time. This was a. This was a beefy one. This was juicy. I guess we had to talk about Mr. Lock too, but. Uh, Shit, I should say something. I have some notes here. I should say something nice about the uh, Bengals. You have to say one nice thing about the Bengals. Geno Atkins is a phenomenal player. Before we, um, oh, Tyler Boyd, really Tyler good Boyd slot will be receiver. Fine. Be- yeah, yeah, he'll be good. He had a um, really high success rate. There we go. Yeah, that's yeah, enough. No, okay. that's plenty. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, favorite take on the uh, AFC North of all the things we talked about? I mean, probably just the the Ravens at plus three twenty, and I'm gonna shop that around. I think I maybe I'll even find a better line somewhere uh, to win the division. I don't mind that at all. In fact, I love it a lot. And then probably the Mayfield interceptions over. That feels low by a couple. And I'm gonna dig into these these Pittsburgh Steelers matchups. There's 
one, two, three, four, five, eight different matchups where they match it up their regular season wins versus another team. You can find those over, I think, yeah, I pulled them all from five dimes. Those are kind of fun little, uh, fun little handicapping exercise, if nothing else. Excellent. All right, man. I agree. Ravens for the win. And honestly, if, uh, I, I realistically think that they could challenge the Patriots in the playoffs where they to come up head to head with that team. Um, and, uh, I will be looking out for opportunities to, uh, solidify some positions that, uh, the Ravens may be the AFC representatives in the Super Bowl. I'm not positive about these guys. I got to tell you, um, you know, it's, I don't think this is, I, you know, anytime we see a new, and then we talked about this with Kevin Cole when we had him on from PFF. Like anytime someone challenges the paradigm in an in an innovative and an, and a surprising way, it it yields positive results. The Ravens absolutely look poised to do that with what they are trotting out in the running game this season, and uh, I'm going to look to capitalize on that. So, with that, 